am Mike Richmond, host of Locked On Blazers. With me is Brendan Clean, host of Locked On Suns, for a special Locked On crossover event. These two teams play each other twice over the weekend, Friday and Saturday evening in Phoenix at the Footprint, the Foot, the Soul. I don't know what, what the nickname is there for the arena, but uh, ahead of those games, Brendan and I are going to team up and tell you what to know. So, Brendan, what should fans know as they get into watching a, a mini series between the Blazers and the Suns? The big news is that DeAndre Ayton is, is going to be active, and I think we're going to dive into that. I want to ask you first, though, do you like these little mini double headers that the NBA has started doing? I mean, I agree with it on the travel side. It makes total sense. But as a viewer, as somebody who follows the team, as somebody who covers the team, do you enjoy it? Do you like to see the matchups get spread out? Where are you? Do you think Adam Silver's listening to this? Because <laughs> uh, no, they're, they're bad. <laughs> they're they're bad because you can't win both. Like it's it it's yeah. It's it's tough for the Suns because it's just tough to beat a team twice back to back. Like you, it, even if you smoke them on Friday, they just saw all your pet stuff and they kind of know what they want to take away Saturday. Uh, for for fans, it's it's just boring because you like you just saw this you saw the same game. And if your team does happen to lose both, it's like man, do I hate the Suns? I am so tired of Cam Johnson. Uh, Especially like, on the weekend, just totally. what a way to, to just ruin like your your days off. You go to work all week, and then it's like, yeah. And then we lost to the Damian Lillard list Blazers twice, and that yeah. bummed me out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I don't like them. I but I'm with you. I get it. Like I think this is a probably a the best way to solve the travel issue is just to say go to Phoenix, play a couple games, make it happen. Um, but in terms of like viewer experience, I don't think they're good. And anecdotally, I think it's like darn near impossible for teams that are on the relatively same tier, which these teams are not really, but relative same tier uh, to be, to, to beat them twice. Like it'll be, I, I don't think Phoenix will win both of these games, even though they're, they're probably like significantly better than Portland right now. I will say uh, we're, we're going to talk later about why the Suns have been starting the way that they have. Uh, that sounds like good news to me. And I've heard that, you know, just kind of thinking about these these games, the Suns had a long break before them. They didn't play uh, since Tuesday. The Suns need a loss, in my opinion, because this is exactly what happened right away last year where they went on a big, long win streak. They won 18 straight. That helped get them to the 64 wins. And I kind of think it screwed them over. They didn't get to focus on actually, like, improving. They just had to kind of put their head in and, try to win a bunch of games and then they're chasing the one seed and then, Oh, the franchise record for wins and this and that. So you uh, people in Portland might be doing the sun's a little bit of a favor uh, getting one over on them this weekend. But you remember the early season game last year was a game two. the Suns came to Portland yes. and lost by like 30 and then they, and then they didn't lose for a month. So yeah. Like, literally the exact same thing, basically. So is, yeah, is maybe, maybe right Portland now. can hook it up again, a, a 30 point beat down and the Suns can take off. I know maybe you don't want them. Maybe you only want them to win 11 in a row or whatever it is. The Suns uh, lost to yeah. Sacramento at home right away early in the season. Then they went to Portland last year and lost that game. And then I literally think that Portland game was the last loss in t- that propelled that streak that became the franchise best win streak. So yes, uh, whether it's Friday or Saturday, I'm good with it. I think, I think the team maybe low key would be okay with it because you just, you know, this team doesn't need to win a ton of regular season games. If they win 53, keep it moving. Like they need to win games in, in May, like, you know, like they need to win games in May Uh, and June for their sake, but may specifically get, get to June, make it to June, win games in May. 
Uh, so like, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. The, I don't, I don't think an early November game against uh, the Blazers is, is deeply meaningful, but that doesn't mean it won't be entertaining. And one of the reasons it's going to be entertaining is because a, a, a tall person is going to be wearing, I was going to say purple, but God knows what color the Suns will wear on, on Friday evening. One of their many colors. Uh, John Drayton is going to play. He's listed as, as probable, but you said he's going to be active in play. Tell us about that. Yeah, it looks that way. I mean, he was on, I mentioned they last played on Tuesday. Even then, uh, he was pretty much going through the full warm-up routine that he's been doing his whole career. Like, you know, not just getting up shots, but actually putting the ball on the ground, getting a sweat in, banging with the assistant coaches, et cetera. Like, feels to me uh, that he could have played Tuesday, uh, honestly, and maybe never would have even missed games if this was a playoff situation. So, you know, I don't know how rusty he'll be. He's only missed two, two and a half games, basically. And yeah, I mean, I, I don't actually know. I mean, it's not even a thing about DeAndre Ayton, really, when I say this, but the Suns are just a machine in the regular season. And Bismack Biombo is as much of a deep pull as that might be for, for some NBA fans who, who haven't gotten to see what he can do uh, since he came back into the NBA last year and joined the Suns. Like, in, in a regular season matchup, he's good enough and he fits kind of like 80% of what Aiton is that I wouldn't have necessarily felt like that would have been a huge minus for the Suns, even if he didn't play. But obviously getting him back, you just feel that much better. Yeah, I mean, they they rolled over a, like a, in theory, a good Timberwolves team in practice, not a very good Timberwolves team. But like, you know, they rolled with Jock Lawndale and, and Bismack Biombo. Some of it is just the pick and roll partners. If you're setting screens for for book and CP3, like yeah. you're you're gonna look better. Um, CP has been making um, making roll guys money for a long time. So yeah, I, I think I think that's a big one. Uh, campaign is also is he's questionable. He's got he's got a left foot injury. So um, he's killing it early in the year. I think campaign was really he was really playing well. So uh, if he's not available, that's notable for the Blazers. No Damian Lillard. He's out. Um, I would assume he out for both of these games. Uh, I will say I did see Dame go out on the court. And as opposed to Brendan, who watched a player get sweaty and really uh, do a workout that looked like they were getting ready for an NBA game, Dame was taking it easy. He had like a compression sleeve on his calf, which is injured. And he was shooting basically like no lift jumpers. It wasn't like he's like unable to move or whatever. He just was someone who's kind of getting his you know, keeping the rhythm as opposed to like sure. getting ready to play basketball. Uh, the big one for the Blazers, Amphrey Simons is on the injury report. He is questionable with a left knee inflammation. He played, they they played Wednesday evening and he played and was like really good. He had 14 in the fourth quarter. Um, he's, th that's a big deal. Um, that's a, that's a very, very big deal for the Blazers. If he can't play, um, Portland is probably starting Keon Johnson next to Shaden Sharp in the backcourt. Um, and that's just, that's just not a, that's not a playoff team in the NBA with those two. I, I really have enjoyed Keon Johnson and Jaden Sharp, but uh, it is what it is. That's 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 a huge step down. Uh, the other notable thing for the Portland Trailblazers, this is pretty deep in the roster. So for my Suns listeners out there, welcome. This is <laughs> this is the ish ish Wainwright equivalent. But uh, Trenton Watford has been upgraded from out to doubtful. Uh, Trenton has been going through uh, pretty much normal workout stuff prior to games. I saw him work out like and get through a long, pretty normal workout. I bet he's pretty close to returning. I wouldn't be stunned. I, I assume he'll return on the road trip just on the direction things are going, but I uh, wouldn't be stunned if he plays Saturday, if he's been upgraded to doubtful Friday. We'll, we'll see, we will see what happens. Uh, I want to ask you about the Suns who are rolling. I saw him lose in Portland in an overtime game, and then they have five in a row, I believe, all by double digits. 
They are just smoking teams. But first, I want to tell our listeners, Brandon, about prize picks. Is daily fantasy made easy? I play prize picks. I use the app. Uh, you can also go to prizepicks.com. And what you're picking is the projection lines you go over or under based on the projections that prize picks sets. What's fun about it is that you're not playing against experts or sharks or the whole field. It's just you versus the projections, and you can win money. Set, make your entries really quickly between two and five players. You can win up to 10 times on any entry. If you don't want to play hoops, you can play any other sport. They got it there for you. And right now, our listeners, if you are a locked on listener, go to prizepicks.com, enter the promo code locked on, win up to $100 on your first deposit. You put in 100 bucks, they give you 100 bucks. You deposit $50. They give you $50. It's just as simple as that. That's prizepicks.com. The promo code is locked on. It's prizepicks. Daily fantasy made easy. All right, Brendan. The Suns are rolling. This is a team that was the best team in the NBA for most of the season last year. The season before that, they had a 2-0 lead in the NBA Finals. They've been really good for really long. Why are they? How have they gotten back to that level so quickly already? Yeah, it's, it's actually pretty interesting because I... It, it does fit into that story kind of that you just told where it's like, yeah, they were, they've been good basically since the day Chris Paul got traded here in November, 2020, 2020, two years ago. Yep. Um, but it has been different. I mean, Booker yep. has been a monster. He's been scoring 30 plus points pretty much every night. I think he's still averaging over 30. He is handling the ball more. Chris Paul's taking a little more on the spot up side of things in terms of spacing the floor, taking threes, not just running the offense every single set. Guys like Mikhail Bridges, Cam Johnson, DeAndre Ayton kind of rotating in as that second scorer. I, you know, Chris Paul is the second option on this team. He's the other guy, but they've been able to adjust it where he's not needing to be there. And so then they can experiment a little. We were talking in that first segment that that's something they weren't able to do last year because they were so dedicated to the win streak and then the one seed and then the franchise record. And yeah, this year they've been able to 60, do that They stuff. found out about 63 wins and it poisoned the program. Someone yeah. told them about the franchise record. It really ruined their last couple of weeks of basketball. Yeah, I think we have to take ownership of that. Uh, that was probably somebody that does uh, one of the jobs you and I do, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> we, we tend to do things like that and get in people's heads. But yeah, so they've been able to to do both this year. And that's been really the big change. They're they're experimenting. They're changing things up. Cam Johnson's a new starter, and they've been figuring that part out. And yet they're still winning. And so that's that's pretty incredible. I didn't think that they would hit the ground running so hard based on the crazy offseason they have. But they've had a heck of a schedule, and they're just churning out wins again. So, so from the outside, the vibes seem terrible. They seem bad. The star center is like staging a cold war, cold war against the coach. Uh, there's a forced sale of the team. One of their best players on last year's team on uh, is um, DNP chilling. He's at home. Like yep. how, how, how would you, from your, you know, you're, you're pretty close to the team. How, how would you assess the vibes for the Suns? Yeah, I was going to say you were you were referencing all that stuff in present tense. I think a lot of that you have to go to past tense. Aside from the Jay Crowder stuff, I mean, he's yeah, he's DNP, you know, Georgia Tech warm up, warm up, shoot arounds. That's what he's been up to. But other than that, it feels like a lot of that stuff's behind them. I mean, Sarver, obviously, he was going to be not around no matter what because he got suspended before he right. even sold the team. So he's kind of out of sight, out of mind. DeAndre Ayton, I don't know still fully what to make of whatever he was doing on media day saying he hadn't talked to Monty. I don't know if that's true or not true, or it's definitely not true anymore. They, they seem to have to be totally fine. It, I don't know what was going on there. He's been playing great. And 
they're winning. So that tends yeah. to cure a lot. It does. The wins really do help. They really do help. Uh, like it, it's, it's, it's interesting if, you know, they're, if they were, if they were a three loss team or whatever, yeah. um, they still probably wouldn't be getting much attention because the rest of the league is a nightmare right now. I was just um, going to but... say, yeah, the other thing that helps is when every other team makes you look even better by looking awful. So that, yeah, that, that has been good for them. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's like, some of the big contenders in the West are a mess. Uh, Draymond Green punched one of his teammates in the face. Uh, there's a whole situation going on with the Brooklyn Nets. They should just go listen to Locked On Nets to find out about because every every or don't. moment. I mean, is... well, I want people to listen to our shows, but you could also just ignore yeah. It. I mean, but I'm not going to talk about Kyrie Irving. Um, like it's just uh, there's so I do think the Suns have benefited from the just it, in general um, the nightmare of the league, the nightmare of the NBA. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I they're also. They're just rolling teams. Uh, they're yeah. the best offense in the league. Ba- back right there again. Um, are, are they running more? Because I, I feel like the, the 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 knock on the Suns was that they were just such a half court team and they didn't get easy buckets. Are they running more this year? Yeah. So this actually a trend that started last year, and it's one of those things that I think the perception of Chris Paul is lagging a little bit behind the way he actually has evolved. I mean. One, I think people overlooked the the Oklahoma City season, which is really when he started to evolve. And when you say you know, I think the reason people think the Suns don't run, one, they didn't the first year he was here, but right. also they just have it in their head. Chris Paul teams don't run. He wants to be a half-court guy. He wants to run, uh, what did the Clippers run, horn, or not horns, uh, floppy forever. They just would have J.J. Redick curl off screens and then turn that into a pick and roll for Paul and, and Griffin. And like that was kind of what he brought to Phoenix. But I think the Oklahoma City season where he just kind of was humbled a little bit, he comes to Phoenix, they needed that. But over the past last season into this season, I think he really has evolved. I talked about him spacing the floor more, not playing off ball, not, not dominating everything. I think this is the other big area. Like he, they were, I don't have the exact number, but definitely a top 10 team in terms of, I like to use seconds per possession because that's a little better. That doesn't include what the defense is doing or the other offense in the game. When you just look at pace, that's both teams are affecting that. Whereas seconds per possession, it's just that. So they were top 10 in that. I believe they're top 10 again this year in, in the last that I looked. And um, it's uncomfortable for him, but I think they have to because, I, I mean, the reality is, like, he's not a guy who's going to be able to grind out possessions that way. And so, you know, look father time in the face a little bit and, and mix that stuff up. And I think the other big change for them has been – or it hasn't felt like a change, but it has been one, which is Cam Johnson starting. Not so much what that does for their offense, which you would think would be good, but – going from Crowder to Cam Johnson, uh, the defense. And they're seventh on defense. They they were fifth, uh, I think, before the Minnesota game or maybe before the games that have happened this week. So they've been right where they left off, and that has been probably the single most impressive thing to me. Overcoming the vibes is great. Continuing to mix <laughs> up their offense, great. But uh, the defense being consistent is pretty incredible when you look at you know Aiton has missed a couple games here early they don't have Crowder Paul's another year older it's 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 really a testament to their coaching and and they're able to lock teams down I mean really the only team that they that I would look back and say they super struggled with was the first half against Dallas and then Portland and and those are the only two teams that they've looked even a, a little bit uncomfortable trying to contain and they have a lot less defensive talent overall this year than they did last year so let's talk about that to close the show. Uh, Portland was able to exploit a little bit of what they did. 
some of that was Damian Lamont, Ollie Lillard Sr. Um, he's not going to play in this game, but what was maybe uh, we'll close the show talking like, what did you see from that game that kind of worries you or where the Blazers can exploit some of what, what the Suns struggle with or some things they can maybe potentially take advantage of? So what do they do? What, what indeed, like what, what were the Blazers when you saw that game and watched that game? What did they do that other teams maybe haven't been to do, haven't been able to do as well? It's, it's sort of something the Suns have struggled with for a while, which is anytime that there's two guards specifically on another team, um, they don't always have an answer. Because if you just look at their personnel, even when Crowder was in place, they're equipped actually to, you know, for instance, the team they played in the first round during their finals run, which was the Lakers. And people were expecting that to be an upset. Obviously, the Lakers got injured in that series, but they were pretty equipped to do that because Bridges can guard LeBron. Crowder was the guy who you could put onto Anthony Davis. Maybe you switch those two up from time to time, whatever it is. Aiton, Aiton is in there as well. Um, but when it's guards, it gets a little bit a little bit trickier. And so I, I really think it, it, some of it is as simple as that. You have bridges, but then who guards the other one, right? right. And so that's probably part of what Portland uh, is banking on here over the course of the season. That's what they've been banking on even when CJ was there. But yeah, they, they got a similar formula. They do. And Booker, I, Booker can do some of that. But it was really that. I mean, I didn't necessarily watching that game feel like Portland was doing anything crazy, right? I mean, right. they just hit insane shots and they did it late and then they did it in overtime and then they won the game. Yeah, it was shot making, honestly. Like Dame was great and then everyone else wasn't very good. And then they needed big buckets. Ant hit a huge, Anthony Simons for my other listeners, but Ant hit a big wing three and then he made a running hook over one of the best defenders in the league. Like that hook was um, crazy. Yeah. Like he's, he, uh, he's still not a rim guy, Anthony Simons. He's still not a free throw guy, but he has developed a really nice moving to his right floater game. If he can get to his right hand on the floater, he can score like, that's the big one that you remember because it was a game winner over like, you know, a dude who's going to be in the top five for a defensive player of the year voting. Probably. It has like the longest arms in the NBA. Yeah. yeah. Like literally the ideal person to guard Amphrey Simons, right? Like it's like he can get up in him, he can stay with him. And then he's big enough to challenge him when he's, when he shoots floaters and still got it, got it over him to score. Like it was, it was, it was, you know, shot making. Uh, I don't think the, I don't think they, you know, I think Devin Booker is a pretty good defender, honestly. Like, I, I think he's, the idea of Devin Booker is like um, from the first few years in the league when he was just a scorer, but he's like a, he's a good defensive player and he's really strong. So I don't think you can like, ch you can't chase him down, but getting for the Blazers, getting Mikhail Bridges off the ball. Like, for, you know, they, Portland will run early in games. They'll run a lot of stuff. Like Chauncey Billups wants to run stuff. It's tough balance with him because he wants to, he wants to have some control and he wants to run things and run through sets late in games when they need baskets, they just match up hunt. And so some of that is just like, let's get Mikhail Bridges off the ball. Let's not have it be Deandre Ayton in the helper spot. Let's actually bring him, let's bring him into the pick and roll. So the help is Cam Johnson. Um, and I think that's where the Blazers will at least try to explode him is, is there. Um, it's go ahead. Do you think, the Blazers or Simons himself will feel comfortable enough to go at Chris Paul in that way. Like late in a game, is Simons going to have the cojones to, to, you know, call it for a switch and get Paul on him and try to go to work. Cause 
Luca had no problem doing that. We, you know, we, we all confronted Chris Paul's mortality in May uh, because he was just getting bulldozed by Luca and Jalen Brunson. That would be kind of interesting to me is, is does he feel that, that, you know, peak of his powers right now where he's, he's going to try to do something like that. Cause that, that would be pretty fun to watch. And I do think this game will be close where we'll get some possessions like that. Totally. Yeah. I, I feel the same way about um, these, at least one of these is going to be uh, going to be close depending on availability of, of the Blazers guys. Uh, yeah. I, I think because of what Ant wants to do when he has the ball, CP is less intimidating. Luca's like a tank, right? Like he's not, he's not worried. Like he's sure. just, he's, but I mean, Simons could blow by Paul, right, but Simon's isn't even a rim, if it's just for a jumper or something. He's, yeah, he's not a big rim guy, and he doesn't love pull-ups. Like he 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 yeah. he has that in his game, but he wants to shoot threes. So I think, mm. I think, and he he he's really good shooting off the dribble. So like I think he's un he's he'll be unbothered by the CP matchup specifically because he's like I can get my shot off against this guy. Not because like his his handle's not very tight. Like that's the that's what where Ant struggles is that his handle is still he's still developing that. Um, so he can't really against really tight defense. He tr- he struggles to get into the paint, but dude has dude has a great looking jumper and can get it off quickly. And I think if you're choosing, okay, is it CP? You know, you're looking around, right? CP, okay, maybe Devin Booker, no, a little too big, a little too physical. Mikhail Bridges, oh my God, no, please not. Cam Cam Johnson, who's uh, totally competent in those in those switch situations. It's like, yeah, CP is the choice uh, because specifically Ant wants to rise up from 24 and not try to get all the way to the rim and not try to like use his physicality. Like he, he wants to shoot it and he's good at it. So I think CP is less intimidating, but um, there is like a, a part of NBA guys where it's like, they know who Chris Paul is. They might not choose him. Right. Like and he, he has a special, you know, strain in his DNA as a, as a defender, but just as a competitor, I guess is the best way to put it where, if a young guy is trying to punk him in any way, shape, or form, that's one of the only things that tends to wake him up. You know, regular season Chris Paul doesn't doesn't really get affected unless he chooses to, and and that's one thing that we just see time and again. Whether it's the rip through, or it's you know just slamming him into a screen that he, that 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 guy might not be expecting, like. I know Ant's not a rookie, and rookies tend to be the biggest with with Chris. Yeah, but Chris Paul hates youth. He does. He really does. I'm sure being 37, it's not it's not going to go anywhere. He, he's yeah. just uh, he's getting more and more bothered by it. But yeah, yeah. I'm I'm looking forward to that part of this for sure. And and uh, the backcourt in general. I mean, if if Ant does play, and then it, how sharp guards book? Because I'm assuming that's what it would be. And that's it might be kind of fun. It, to, if to I had to about. guess, they will put Jeremy Grant on Devin Booker. Yeah, uh, that's how they've that's how they've typically done it, which is not like not Jeremy Grant's necessarily a strong suit, but um, that's how they've done it. Is they've the lead ball handler has been the Jeremy Grant role to put length on the ball, and then they'll put. Um, if I remember I, right, he guarded Chris in the first game. He quite did a bit right? too for that same reason, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yep. And so I would guess that they will put um, uh, maybe Ant on CP, but I, I I think Shaden Sharp will guard Cam Johnson. If I had to guess how it will shake out, that would be that would be my guess. Uh, at least to start the game. And I, you know, they've gone, uh, they've played two games without Damian Lillard and they've closed with either Justice Winslow or Keon Johnson. Um, and Keon is a pretty competitive defender, albeit a young person that Chris Paul would love to be mean to. Uh, and and obviously Winslow is just, he's just big and burly. He could guard, um, you know, he, you probably don't want him to guard CP, but he could, you could move him to any of the other wings and he'd be at least competent. Uh, let's Let's finish on this. Finish the sentence and I'll do the same for you. The Suns win these games if. 
if they can just keep doing what they've been doing. I mean, if Booker can continue to, to score and get to his spots, this is a, a unique team with their with their length and everything and, and the way that they've been able to bring together some some young guys. But, you know, it's Devin Booker. He's He got MVP votes last year. So if he can do that and keep making the guys around him better and, and you know, Aiton's back now, so it can it can look even more like it has. Then that's that's the win. That's the winning formula. And I actually do think they could win both because I do think they're just that much better with Lillard out. But yeah, I with Dame close out, with, games at least with Dame out, the Suns are probably a tier better. They've been they've been like all of the numbers suggest that the Suns are just as good as you remember. Um, and, and when you watch them play, they like Tuesday when I watch them play Timberwolves, they looked fine. <laughs> they look they look really good. <laughs> yes. Um, the Blazers win this game if if Yusuf Nurkic keeps on rolling. He's been really good the last two games, um, and he they just I'm assuming every time it's plays if it, you know whatever asterisks 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 Amphrey Simons available for these games. If he doesn't play, it's hard for me to say fill in this blank necessarily. I guess it's like Josh Hart, uh, you know, ascends to a new level. But like Nurk has been the last two games without. Um, Damian Lillard in the lineup, he bullied the heck out of the Rockets front line. Um, Alperen Shingun had no chance. And then he played really, 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 really well against Steven Adams. Uh, his numbers career against Steven Adams are really good. I don't know what that is, but he, he that's a good matchup for Nurk somehow. Um, dating back to the OKC days, you know, he had 23 through the first three quarters and struggled down the stretch. If he can do that, he can be really good. And he can, you know, he can go at Aiton and neutralize a little bit of that and be physical and get Aiton in foul trouble and make it be a Jock Landale game, make it be a, a biz game, make it be a small ball game where the Blazers will have a better chance of of hanging with the Suns. Like, it, it's Nurk. He's the key for him. It's Amphrey Simons just playing and being a guy who can score 25. And then Nurk has to be that secondary scorer. That, that is absolutely the key for him. Yeah, no, Aiton, Aiton had had struggled with those types of players in the past. I, I want to say he turned a corner against Valanchunas in the first round against New Orleans last year. He really figured out some ways to be effective. Yeah, he was but great. going against players who are taller and or stronger than him is just uncomfortable for DeAndre Aiton. It's not often that he does that. Right. And so especially first game back, I, I think you're right on. That could be a, a difference maker for sure. Yeah, th that's the big one for me. Dear listeners, make... Locked on Suns, your first listen every day. Or make Locked on Blazers your first listen every day. Wherever feed your, whatever feed you grab this one in, keep freaking doing that because it's five days a week, every single weekday. Make it your first listen every single freaking day. And then why don't you make your second listen Locked on Sports Today? It is the 22-minute program hosted by Peter Bukowski, getting you caught up on everything you need to know across all of the major sports leagues. If there is a major story in sports, you're going to find it on Locked On Sports today, and then you're going to get everything you need to know to be the basketball, the football, the baseball, the WNBA, whatever it might be, expert with your crew. And that's just because you listen to start your day. Your second listen was Locked On Sports today. Brandon, this was a lot of fun. Thanks for, thanks for joining me here. Anytime, man. Yeah. All right, dear listeners, we'll talk to you soon.